what is Susan, who's 40, talking about with her friends when she picks the kids up from school? Or what is Dave, who's 50, who's a builder, sharing in his WhatsApp group? What kind of videos he's sharing that he's seeing online? Or what kind of TV shows are they watching and talking about with their friends? That's the like deeper level of what do they actually care about right now? That isn't to do with your company. Brand Growth Heroes is the business podcast for the founders of food, beverage, and other consumer goods brands, and is ranked in the top 1.5% of all podcasts worldwide. Here our guests talk not only about their brand purpose or why, but also how where they play, who they employ, and how they work has driven their incredible success. As a rule, I don't interview marketing agencies on the show, but I made an exception when I reached out to our next guest. Dan Knowlton is one half of Knowlton, a digital and social media market agency that has me in stitches with the videos they create and post on LinkedIn. If you don't follow them yet, I suggest you do. Both Dan and his brother Lloyd Knowlton are hilarious. But why is this of value to you? Well, since I interviewed Jake Carls of Midday Squares and then Teddy and Marissa of Perfect Ted a few episodes ago, I've been exploring how the concept of advertainment works and why it's way more important to you as a grocery brand leader than just posting product shots. Dan knows way more about advertainment than I do, so I thought a good chat with him would be of real value to us all. Dan Knowlton of Knowlton Video and Social Media Marketing Agency in the UK. Welcome to Brand Growth Heroes. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's brilliant to have you on. So listen, I don't generally have marketing agencies on the show because I don't want to do any selling. So I'm really having you on as one half of Dan and Lloyd of Knowlton Marketing because you've really inspired me with the content that you are putting up on LinkedIn, on Twitter. And I wanted to talk to you as an expert that's growing a marketing agency, not in food and beverage at all, really at the moment, a little bit, but not massively. That's not where you get most of your revenue from. But you really come across as someone who has has totally cracked this whole advertainment model. And I wanted you to share any kind of tips and learnings with our audience. Sure. There's tons I can share with you on this episode. Um, I guess the the, the first thing to clear up is what is advertainment? Because it is a buzzword. It just sounds like a uh, you know, marketers love to make things sound cool when it's just pretty simple. So advertainment is all about entertaining advertising or entertaining marketing and try to produce content and campaigns that people actually enjoy consuming. And we've we've had a lot of success with that with the brands we've been working with. So yeah, we can dive into some of the details around that today. Talk to us a little bit about how you started the agency and how you came to the place where you realised that advertainment really is the way to engage hearts and minds and actually then the rational of going ahead and, and purchasing from a company. So we accidentally discovered it. Firstly, it was an accident. I don't want to sit here saying we had some big plan. Um, we basically started our, our video and social media marketing agency from our parents' spare room, like most agencies. Um, we spent the first three years really trying to figure out what our unique value proposition was to the world. We created websites, we created content, we did training, we ran ads. Like we we tried and tested everything, um, and had a like. I guess it, our growth is pretty stagnant across those three years, but we were just learning a lot. We were like sponges, learning all these different types of marketing. And then in 2017, we had this idea. 
we wanted to create um we we would got some small clients under about like small local hotels and restaurants and that kind of thing we support them with their marketing and then we wanted to create a testimonials video where we showed our customers saying how brilliant we were and we thought this is going to be our you know this is how we're going to get bigger better customers by showing all of our customers saying nice things about us however we knew that testimonials videos are boring. Like who wants to watch a video of someone saying, yeah, Dan and Lloyd and Knowlton are brilliant. Like no one's going to watch that. So we came up with a really weird idea. And the weird idea was that we would firstly go out and shoot actual interviews with our customers. So to get those like that credibility, social proof of our customers saying nice things. However, we also thought, how can we keep people engaged in that video? So we dressed up as different characters with wigs on and, and we pretended to be our own customers talking about how brilliant it is to work with Dan and Lloyd. And we had like weird characters. There was like a dolphin trainer, a butcher. Um, and they're like, they, they, we looked really odd and we had a witty script that was like fun and entertaining and stuff. Then we cut the real interviews in between the fake interviews. So it was a video where, yeah, you know, it's real interviews and fake interviews. We posted it on Facebook at the time and um, didn't think much of it. And like within a few hours, there was tons of people commenting on it saying that they loved it. And we were like, what? People are loving this this video, this testimonials video. And we it generated the most amount of new business for our agency over anything we'd ever tried in those previous three years. And, and that was like a light bulb moment for us. Like, you can create highly strategic sales-focused content. You know, it's a testimonials video selling our services, but deliver it in a really relatable, creative, and entertaining way that people love. And that was when we discovered advertisement. Um, and since then, we, we we then started to apply that with other brands. Our first uh, company we worked with to apply that approach was like a small gym. We created like gym bro culture videos that helped sell their gym. Worked incredibly well. And we've since gone on to now work with some of the, the world's leading brands to apply that approach to marketing. But that's, that's the kind of backstory how we accidentally discovered it. Quick one. I'm thrilled to share that Strong Roots is continuing their support of Brand Growth Heroes for another season. Finding quick and easy meal solutions that are also better for you can be a real challenge for busy families like mine. That's where Strong Roots comes in for us. Their veg-packed frozen foods make it incredibly easy to enjoy delicious plant-based meals that everyone in my family loves, whilst doing a little good for the planet too. We love their sweet potato fries, crispy cauliflower hash browns, and yummy spinach bites. Honestly, their products are a lifesaver for us on busy weeknights. What's even more important though, is that Strong Roots is committed to using clean ingredients that are better for you and better for the planet. They're actually one of the pioneers in terms of having their carbon cloud on the front of pack for full transparency of their impact on the planet. And as a B Corp, they're committed to improving this number, as well as all the ways they do business. I've been fortunate enough to work with Strong Roots since 2016, and I'm proud to support a company that's always striving to do better. So head to the freezer aisle and try Strong Roots for yourself. Don't forget to look at their ingredients on the back of pack. I think you'll be as surprised as I was at just how clean, tasty, frozen food can actually be. Thanks to the team at Strong Roots for their continued support this season. Good for you, good for the planet, good made easy. How do you work out what is going to engage the target customer of your client? Good question. The, really, the first thing is understanding who is the target. Like this is marketing 101, but I think everyone knows this. You know, you need to understand who are you trying to sell something to so that you can sell them that thing and relate to them. But a lot of marketers go surface level. You know, I'm targeting 40-year-old Susan who's got two kids from London who, who you know, earns this much money. Like that's surface level stuff. And she cares about quality and taste. So I'm going to show loads of pack shots. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, right? But what you, they don't do is go that, to that deeper level of like, what is Susan, who's 40, talking about with her friends when she picks the kids up from school? Or what is Dave, who's 50, who's a builder, sharing in his WhatsApp group? What kind of videos he's sharing that he's seeing online? Or what kind of TV shows are they watching and talking about with their friends? That's the like deeper level of what do they actually care about right now? That isn't to do with your company. I get that. But how do you then use that for your brand? I'm thinking of, say, you're a snacking cracker brand. How do you then use that in a way that isn't totally separate to your snack and cracker brand? I'll tell you what I'm thinking. So the reason you fit so well in my last three episodes is because I had, as we talked about earlier on, I had midday squares on. And Jake Carl says, if anyone wants to listen to that episode three episodes ago, Jake Carl's the founder of Midday Squares, says that their platform for engaging their target consumer is a mix between Shark Tank, which is Dragon's Den in Canada and the US, the Kardashians with Elon Musk. And that's how they go about engaging. So they don't talk about their product at all. It's about how they're scaling the business of that product. It could be any product. It just so happens to be Midday Square. So they're not selling Midday Squares. And then you've got Perfect Head after that, the next video or the next episode we did. And they've borrowed from that. They've been inspired by Jake Carls and they're doing that kind of whole, we're building our business and where are we going wrong and what are our wins and all the rest of it. But not everybody, not every food or beverage or CPG brand can do that whole, this is how we're building our business. How do you link into what Susan's saying to her best mate over a glass of wine and it still be related to the product you're selling? So I'll give you an exact example of a client case study where this is one of uh, the ones I love that we've done. So um, we work with a brand called Cameo Apples, which is a UK-based brand of Apple. Um, They came to us about five years ago with the objective of getting stocked in a top five UK supermarket. And the approach was currently they had zero online presence, no one gives a crap about their brand or is talking about it or is excited about it. Or even knows it, right? Or even knows it. And they were actually, they were selling through supermarkets, but then they weren't a branded Cameo Apple. It was a generic like Sweet Crisp Apple that like Tesco's and Asda and stuff were selling. But they they wanted they wanted to build a case study to go to the supermarkets and say, look, look, it's supermarkets. Look, everyone excited about the Cameo brand. We want to get our branding on the packaging. So that was the objective five years ago. We came up with this really innovative approach to create millions of views and engagement online with their campaign. The way we did it, which is going to answer your question, is we tied in content with pop culture TV shows and movies that we knew their customers love. So, for example, we did... Um, do, do you, have you seen Game of Thrones? Yeah. So when Game of Thrones Season 8 came out, we did, a, we did a number of videos. One of them was like a parody video where we had a guy on a horse in a suit of armor, full suit of armor, um, riding through the woods... And there was like a really uh, witty voiceover over it talking about how this is the number one Game of Thrones fan in the world. And this was when everyone was talking about Game of Thrones. We knew their target market was talking about Game of Thrones. And it just happened to be a Cameo Apples employee. And it was like very comedic because he was talking in a serious voiceover like, yeah, I go into work and I wear my suit of armor. It's a bit clanky when I go into the office. but And it was like really sort of witty and fun. So that's one example. Another thing we did was, um, do you like David Attenborough? Love David Attenborough. Who doesn't like David Attenborough? Yeah, no. I mean, I don't trust you if you don't like him. No, totally. (laughs) Other than my 13-year-old daughter who thinks he's boring. Whoa. I know, isn't that awful? But anyway, let's keep going. So another example. um, So he had a series called uh, Our Planet that came out a couple of years ago now. We basically created another sort of comedic parody video where we cut clips of from that series in between 
um, really high production value shots of their apple on, on a beach. And we had a David Attenborough voiceover talking about the apple as if it was a wild animal, as if it was part of that series, right? So here we have a wild apple, like that kind of, I can't do the voice, but these are just two examples. Another really, can I just quickly tell you one even weirder thing that we did? Please. So do you watch Gogglebox? Yeah, I love Gogglebox. So this is actually quite clever. So we did a load of research using, um, so we did a load of research to understand that um, we knew their target market watched Dancing on Ice. Do you know Dancing on Ice? Don't watch it, but I know it. So we wanted to think, how can we cleverly talk, like create content about Dancing on Ice that's to do with their apples? Because how do you tie in the two, like the question you, you asked me? So we, we um, Gogglebox, where people comment on a TV show, we created a miniature set that looked like a, a front room. And we had apples sitting on these chairs watching uh, watching Dancing on Ice, right? And the clever bit here is each week we'd look at Twitter to see what the trending opinions were on the episode. So for example, this is when Gemma Collins from TOWIE, or The Only Way Essex was on there. Everyone was talking about her and, and stuff. So we would look at what the trending opinions were. Then we would create content where the apples were, were, were saying the opinions that we knew people already had because we'd done the research on Twitter about the Dancing on Ice show. Um, and again, millions of views online because we would then target people who we knew were their target market, who were interested in the show with that content, who we knew had the opinions that we were sharing in the video. So we knew, of course, they're going to say, I totally agree with this. And some people were like, I totally disagree with you and uh, share it. So, But does all of this cost a fortune, like mini sets and production? I imagine that company was a very small, well, maybe they were very big in like own label apples, but probably low margin, didn't understand huge a lot about marketing and probably as a result, aren't going to spend tens of thousands on an agency. I'm thinking about my listeners listening to this going, oh, I could never afford that kind of stuff. So to be completely transparent with you, that this example I'm talking with is probably one of our, not lower value ret- like retainers, but like they're, they're spending under, you know, five to 10 grand a month all in with content production and ads. And, and also like, it's, it's more about like, Oh no, that's that's you know that people I think that costs loads of money. But what has this achieved? So yes, it's achieved millions of views online, millions of people engaging with their content. It's also helped them get stocked in Lidl as a branded cameo apple, like huge win. So so you know the number one objective we've helped them achieve that because they they took this case study to to the audience. We've also more recently every year we we um you know we're working together five or six years now. Every year we try and innovate what we're doing. This year we've gone all in on TikTok. Okay, because we realized it was getting more expensive to advertise on Facebook and Instagram. We're all in on TikTok. We started their account 1st of January. Now, um, where we are now, generated almost 10 million views on TikTok, uh, over 10,000 followers on TikTok, reaching huge audiences online. And again, if you want to have a look at some examples of this, go to Cameo Apples. This is a completely different strategy to what I've just mentioned. Here, we're tapping into trending sounds, trending music um, in a really creative, engaging way. And again, like getting millions of views online. So having an agency partner that you start off with, that grows with you, that you trust is really, really important. I know that my listeners have difficulty finding an agency partner like that, that delivers results. Yes, there are lots that do. But if you're using a contractor or whatever at the very beginning, because you don't have the cash flow or you don't have the guts or the conviction to say, no, I've got to put eight grand or 10 grand against this a month, then you're spending a lot less and you're not seeing the results, the returns, you kind of move away from it and you say, oh, it doesn't really work. Social media doesn't work for us. Video content creation doesn't really work for us. I have clients on the Great Strategy Programme say that to me and I'm saying, 
or D2C doesn't work for us. Direct to consumer doesn't work for us. You're a premium chocolate brand for people with allergies. You are the absolute perfect D2C brand because you can target somebody with very specific pain points. So if it hasn't worked for you up to now, it's that you haven't been creating the right content, right? Yeah. And I, I can totally relate to that. I think it is a, it is challenging for these kind of brands to take the leap and trust, I guess, maybe to try and give a few pieces of advice to those people, like the, the brands that are thinking, this sounds great, but how do I find a company to work with? Um, you know, there's lots of great ones out there. So I, I do a couple of things. One, the number one thing is looking at case studies and evidence and data that shows that whoever you're speaking to has delivered results for someone in your industry or similar kinds of brands. Um, that's a really important one. Also, like some people come to us and they're like completely convinced we want to go all in with this. Like we're, we're currently working with a big drinks brand that's investing a huge amount with us. And they were just all in like, love what you do. We just need to, and we're doing a really creative campaign with them. Some are like, I don't know. Like it's what I'd say is try to figure out like whatever the smallest test campaign you can do is to, to see a level of success rather than going all in just and and you know you might not get huge wins but even if you can track that data and see that there's a level of success um there before going all in do that as well but i think that's the discipline of setting up what the clear objective is and what the metrics are and then the discipline of actually tracking them at the end because if you as a business don't have that in place or if your contractor is just delivering something you're burning money yeah. And so you could have the best creative and you might not necessarily know which version of it's working because you haven't got the system in place to track it. I've got two questions that are burning for me. The first is, I imagine it can't always be about parody and comedy because then we'd have every brand in the world doing parody and comedy. So what else can you do? What else can a brand do other than parody or comedy? Cool. So that that's uh, something we've been known for is advertisement, but we do a lot of other things compared to that. So this is to your point. The, the main thing that anyone thinking like, I've got a more serious brand, we can't do funny content, we, you know, won't be on brand. The main thing to understand is you need to trigger some kind of emotion with your content. It doesn't have to be, you know, people being laughing and feeling great and happy. It could be more, um, it could be a more negative emotion. Like I'll, I'll give you a specific example. We work, this is a way more boring one, but it's useful. Hopefully that client isn't listening right now. <laughs> no, they, they know that they, you know, we get on very well. They are a company that sells safety gloves, which aren't the se sexiest of products. It depends. <laughs> They're safety gloves for the workplace that um, helps prevent accidents happening. There's loads of st statistics and data around that. We helped them through a LinkedIn B2B ad campaign generate a million pound contract. And the way we did it wasn't through creating, you know, you can't really laugh about people having accidents and work and potentially dying. Like it's not subject that you, you know, create parody videos about. We went down a more emotive route of really communicating data around accidents in the workplace and how, and then providing their solution to show how this prevents those accidents. Um, there was another really interesting ad. I remember seeing an ad for St. John's Ambulance years ago, uh, and it was around um, to do with children's safety and stuff. And it was like, it really impacted me. There was, it, there was like a woman in the kitchen and then it cuts to like her child falling at a tree and falling on the floor and stuff. And like, I know it just sounds terrible, we all remember those ads from childhood, those ones that you still remember today. Yeah, like we've both got kids. Like you see that and it like makes you think and that 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 negative emotion of like I will, will make you take action. And I, I'm not saying like brands should be negative about everything and make everyone feel rubbish. But it's about the power of the emotion. The power of the emotion is triggering those emotions enough to make them feel something. Making them feel something will make them take action. 
Um, and this is why like so many brands get it wrong because they sell a packaged product and they think, I want to sell more of my packaged product. What should I create content around? Let's create nice, pretty videos and visuals of my packaged product. Now, I understand there's a place for that in your content strategy, but that's not the starting point. The starting point, as I mentioned, is who are you trying to sell stuff to? What do they care about? What 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 things are going to interest them or trigger their emotions? And then create content around that. And there's all different types of emotions you can trigger. You know, It's not just about making people laugh and feel good or making them feel sort of impacted in a negative way. You know, You can do a whole range of things. Thank you so much for that. That's really useful. My second question is TikTok. So there's a lot of stuff in the papers at the moment. The United States has just banned TikTok from all government phones and potentially they will ban it from everybody's phone in the States. Well, that's one person's opinion or conjecture. Where do you sit as an agency on TikTok and that risk in the future? I think there is potential risk there. I guess I see the upside right now is... um, so. Take TikTok out of the equation. Right now, anyone who's producing video content as their marketing strategy should be focused on producing short form vertical video. Okay. If you think, and, and, and like you may ask why, the reason why is because social media platforms leave clues. When all the social media, almost all the social media platforms are optimizing their platforms for short form vertical video after seeing the rise of Snapchat oh, originally, then TikTok, Insta Reels, you like, if you think of, um, TikTok, Insta Reels, Facebook Reels. Um, these are the pla- uh, YouTube Shorts. These are all the places where you can generate the most organic reach and engagement through your content without having a big following. Okay. So, my suggestion would be right now create short form vertical video content um, and distribute it on places like TikTok, but also YouTube Shorts, Reels, because you can repurpose this content in a very efficient way to post it across all these platforms. I'd say that the upside right now is is to continue to build on those platforms. You can create huge organic reach and engagement on those platforms. So yes, it could get banned in the future. I don't think that's close at all in the UK, but it could. But I, rather than thinking, should I be on TikTok or not? I would say I would be focusing on creating short form vertical video and distributing it on in all those places and growing an audience in all those places. Okay, brilliant. So that's a totally different lens. Thank you so much for that. If you're the smart founder of a scaling brand and you're inspired by what you're learning on this podcast, why not check out our Brand Growth Heroes Accelerator program? Over the past three years, our bespoke framework, tools, and coaching has helped over 80 founders of early stage scaling brands make decisions that have supercharged their growth. The results have been phenomenal. Things like first listings in national retailers and airlines, doubling of revenues, new star products or key hires, or even offers from all five dragons on the den. The program offers you a suite of bespoke lessons, tools, one-to-one coaching, group workshops, and access to a growing network of support from smart founders of grocery brands just like you. We love you, Fiona. And you've been an incredible mentor to us. And your program was wildly helpful. So if anyone is thinking of doing it, we really recommend it and don't think we would be able to get here without having done it. So if you want the framework and tools that will help you make decisions that will take your growth to the next level, go to brandgrowthheroes.com and then click online courses. Then just press register your interest today. Thanks again to Strong Roots. Good for you. Good for the planet. Good made easy. So this is brilliant, Don. I'm learning so much and I'm sure our listeners are too. But when you've got this great content, where does it sit in the funnel of basically bringing people down to actually buying product, whether that's on your Shopify web store or wherever it is, Amazon or anywhere else or in real life? Good question. 
I think what, what's important to know is like just creating these fun, entertaining videos and stuff that, that may generate millions of views isn't good enough if you want to sell product. That's a starting point. That is get, getting people to feel that positive emotion or, or some kind of positive or negative emotion that makes them then want to do something. The, really, the, the overarching um, uh, thing that people need to understand is a traditional marketing funnel which is the, the 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 model that represents the journey that so, someone goes on from yes feeling that emotion at the start when you build awareness but from there you need to build trust and drive action so how do you build trust and drive action so let's let's go down to the next stage of building trust along that customer journey someone's discovered you but now how do you convince them to buy a product or service it's all about understanding a few things first of all what are their key objections what are their reasons for not wanting to buy your package product um is it too expensive is it uh, I don't know, the nutrition information, not what they want. Is it, um, you know, there could be a whole range of objections. How do you find out what those objections are? So by speaking to, if you have a sales team, speaking to your sales team or the people selling your product, or if you are the person selling it, think about what are all the common objections people have said to you? Like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to buy that because X. Think of those things. Once you've got a list of those things, then you need to create content that overcomes those objections. So, for example, um, uh, they may say that uh, I think your product is too expensive. That's an objection. What content do you create to overcome that objection? Well, you need to create content that communicates why is it as expensive as it is. It has better quality ingredients. We don't cut corners with things. Like Think of what all those qualities are that you can create content around to overcome those objections. There'll be a whole raft of things that you can do here. That's one thing, overcoming objections. Another is... Um, uh, providing data to demonstrate that your product does what it says on the tin, right? So if uh, you have like a weight loss product or whatever, it's like, I'll give you an example, a specific example. We work with Wall, one of the longest running male grooming brands that they sell clippers. So some of their clippers, one of the objections was like, I don't know if I trust the battery life on this. It says it's 180 hours battery life. So we literally created time-lapse content showing us running the clipper for 180 hours. Um, or I don't know if it's waterproof. We show, we show the clipper dropping it in a, a glass of water. Because again, it's like these, these short visual um, pieces of content that are overcoming those objections. And these are all like the touch points that are holding the hand of that ideal customer, taking them through that journey of building awareness. Now you're building that trust. And it could be things like case studies. That's more content. I mean, this starts to add up. Let's say you only have budget to create one lot of content. You can't incorporate that into the other content because then you're trying to do too much. So how do you manage that? It's different on an individual case by case basis, but like you need to work with what you've got. If you've got 10 grand, you need to figure out it's, it's pointless just investing all of that in this awareness based content we spoke about at the start, where it's like really fun and generating lots of views and engagement. That's not good enough. I would be thinking, how can you split that budget between generating content that builds awareness, builds trust, and drives action? So, uh, again, you need to think about you may not have a huge budget. So what do you need to do? You need to learn yourself then how to create content. Um, like it's understanding, yeah, that there's loads of free resources online that you can use. And But yeah, don't just waste, don't waste all your budget. Don't spend all your budget on that top of funnel activity. Think about how you can create content at each stage of the funnel. So we've talked about creating trust. Let's talk about the action stage then. So it's important to understand where are people taking that final action? So is it the e-commerce website, is it the Shopify store, or Amazon store? Then think about how can you optimize that to, to, to really nudge people to take that final action? So for example, the best example of this is an Amazon product page. If you think of an Amazon product, you know they've invested millions, tens of millions in optimizing their product pages. 
when you go to an Amazon product page, um, when you look at it, you have every piece of information you could ever desire to convince you that that is the best solution to your problem and to overcome your objections. You have um, reviews from other customers. You have questions from other customers about the product. And then people who have bought the product answering them like, oh yeah, I bought it. And it does do that thing that you're questioning. Um, you have uh, really high quality videos and images showing the product. You have every piece of um, uh, technical information about the product. So really try and optimize your kind of product pages to to overcome all those final little objections that people may have. Oh, so actually take your Amazon page as the inspiration to have how your product page is on your Shopify site. Yeah. I can't believe no one's ever said that before. Yeah. Well, it's just thinking logically, like this is the thing with marketing. Everyone tries to overcomplicate it. It's just trying to put your shoes in, you know, we're all consumers. When you are at that final stage of just about to buy something on Amazon or on an e-commerce site, what are all the thoughts going through your head while you're not going to press that final button? Another reason it could be, it could be a, the process could be too long-winded. Like you, like the great thing about Amazon is you can do one-click purchasing that reduces all of that. If you've got like 10 stages, enter your address, do this, do that, do this. You, you can get to it like, oh, this sucks. I'm just going to not bother. So try and reduce all of those friction points and those barriers to making people make that final purchase. Listen, Dan, this has been absolutely amazing. I'm really conscious of time. It's coming up to 11. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that with us today. It's been really brilliant. And keep creating all this fab content on LinkedIn. I'm going to follow you on Twitter because I haven't done and uh, I look forward to seeing more of it there. If people want to get in touch, where will they find you? Um, a few places. I guess just search my name on, uh, produce a lot of content on LinkedIn, so Dan Knowlton. But our website is knowltonmarketing.co.uk. Uh, we also got our Business Anchors podcast. Businessanchors.inc is our website if you want to check out our podcast there. Okay, yeah, which is really funny. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks to the team at Strong Roots for their continued support this season. Good for you, good for the planet, good made easy. <laughs> <laughs>